and I'm pleased to welcome here for conversation Richard Van Mack. Richard is a former sheriff of Graham County, Arizona, a political activist, and he has a lot to say about law enforcement officers and guns. Good morning, Richard Mack. Good morning, Richard. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And there's two things I want to talk about and see if we can touch them both. Okay. One is like the infamous or famous Sheriff Joe of Arizona. <laughs> you stand to believe that sheriffs, county sheriffs, don't have to enforce federal laws. Am I correct? Uh, well, not entirely, but that's close. Uh, they're not federal agents, and they're not agents of the federal government. And I want a U.S. Supreme Court about that very issue. In 1994, federal agents came and told all the sheriffs across this country that they had to enforce the Brady Bill. I sued them. I sued the federal government. I sued the Clinton administration and won a case at the U.S. Supreme Court that stated that very thing, that we are not puppets of the federal government. We are not employees of the federal government. The federal government cannot tell sheriffs or any other public official in the state what to do. We are not their employees. If they want to uh, have us work with them, they can negotiate a contract with us, which we have done lots of times. So to say that we never do is wrong. But to say that we do not have to and we are not subject to the federal government is absolutely true. Yes. Does that allow a sheriff, though, to pick and choose? Uh, according to my lawsuit, uh, we're not the ones that decide that. We can. You have to understand jurisdiction. Jurisdiction is, is that we don't work for the federal government. We work for the people of our counties. And we promise to serve them. If the federal government com can come into our counties and commandeer sheriffs or any other local official for federal bidding without any negotiation from us, without our approval, then that is the essence of tyranny. And so it, we don't get to pick and choose. It's the federal government that picks and choose, uh, chooses uh, what parts of the Constitution they'll obey all the time. And that's what really frustrates me is the federal government is the one that's out of control. Uh, it wasn't Joe Arpaio, and it wasn't me, and it wasn't other sheriffs. The other sheriffs that go along with the federal government because they pay them money is the thing I'm very concerned about. Okay. Um... And, and by the way, I do have a national organization called the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, and uh, it's uh, cspoa.org, cspoa.org. POA.org if anybody wants to find out more about what we do. But I, I assail the practices of, of federal law enforcement uh, and the lack of uh, accountability at the federal level with when uh, federal agents commit crimes. There's just absolutely no accountability. Now, what do you mean federal agents committing crimes? Well, the front page of uh, USA Today back in 2015 had a big article about how uh, DEA agents were in Colombia uh, having sex parties and that the prostitutes were actually uh, provided by the cartels. And not one agent, and this had been happening for years, and not one agent was ever prosecuted uh, or uh, even disciplined. And this is what I'm talking about, lack of... And, and there's, there's hundreds of situations like that. Uh, when the FBI commits a crime... Uh, you know, it's all swept under the rug uh, at Waco, Ruby Ridge. Uh, you know, nothing ever happens to officers who commit crimes. It's not just uh, local police uh, shooting at people. It goes all the way up to the top. You're describing something that's very frightening. It is. 
It really is, and and I've uh, I've been assailing this practice for years. I, I go across the country speaking. Uh, this is in my uh, all of this is in my presentation. Uh, we've all got to uh, come to grips with what we're doing in this country, and the law enforcement community continues to do the same type same types of training, uh, even though the shootings continue to happen uh, almost on a monthly basis, if not more. And nobody does anything about it in the law enforcement community. And it's it's really the, yes, it's the essence of Einstein's uh, description and definition of insanity. We just keep doing the same things over and over, especially in our uh, police academies. And we think that we're going to get a better result somehow. And uh, I think both sides of the issue uh, need to uh, uh, readdress what they're actually doing and trying to do. But the law enforcement community especially because uh, they just refuse to uh, change their training uh, methodologies. What's wrong with the training methodology? What needs to change? Well, first of all, when I was a rookie cop, and I was in law enforcement 20 years, when I was a rookie cop, we actually had training. And and right now I'm back on the uh, Anthony Smith uh, killing in St. Louis. Uh, The officer, Jason Stockley, uh, was, was... smart i guess you know i don't i don't agree with the shooting the shooting was not justifiable in in my perspective uh but uh the the uh the officer who who shot and killed uh, anthony smith uh asked for a judge because he knew that the technicalities of the law uh would be uh, better uh, addressed by a judge instead of a lay jury and I totally agree with the jury system. I mean, it's a part of the Sixth Amendment and Seventh Amendment of the, of the Bill of Rights. Uh, but when I was a rookie cop, I went, I went through training on shoot-don't-shoot shoot, uh, scenarios. As a matter of fact, the, the uh, training back then was uh, much less advanced because of the technology we have today. You can actually put yourself in the situation where you, you shoot at a suspect or you don't. When, when we had our... Uh, first training uh, way back in like 1980. Um, I'm the camera. Another, the officer is the camera, looking out at what he sees. And I'm the situation is this: I'm at a school uh, in the training uh, where there's been a serious complaint, and a kid about 16 or 17 in a white T-shirt starts approaching me, and he's doing so very abruptly. He's walking right towards me. He's not running, but he's a very resolute in walking right towards me and i drop down I, I draw my weapon and i yell at him freeze freeze i'm ordering you to freeze freeze and he has his hand in the back of his pants and he keeps his hand there and i said freeze let me see your hands let me see your hands and he walks right up to me and i never shoot i never shoot and he abruptly puts a card in front of my face i'm deaf and i don't understand you and you're not supposed to shoot him. And I don't know where, Peter, I don't know where this comes from in law enforcement community, is that if a suspect moves abruptly, you have the right to shoot him, and it's a justifiable shooting. I totally disagree with that. It's wrong. It wasn't how I was trained. And we need to get back to the training that if I don't see an immediate threat or an immediate weapon, I do not shoot. And we need to get back to that. And I am appalled and I'm scared at this ridiculous notion that if a suspect moves 
abruptly, it's a justifiable shooting. That is wrong. It's stupid. And I believe it has uh, increased the shootings in our country. The, the self-defense tactics and the personal uh, uh, take-care-of-me personal, personal thing that uh, gets trained in the academies and that no matter what, I go home at night, that's the wrong training. And it has gotten worse. And I have talked till I'm blue in the face for somebody in the law enforcement community or somebody in leadership in, in our counties and in our cities and in our states to address that issue. And, and I'm telling you, I'm like the, the, the lone ranger out there with this voice. And uh, these people should not be shot. Uh, Lavoie Finnicum in Oregon after the uh, Burns standoff, he should not have been shot. I've watched that video also. And these officers think because he moves his hand real quickly and abruptly, which I, you know, that remains to be seen in court also because that one hasn't gone to court yet. But uh, there's just too many of these shootings where a layperson uh, who might be on drugs, who might be who might be have drunk, uh, and you think that they're not going to move something or do something abruptly, and then just because they do, you get to shoot them and t- take a life. I think there's a lot worse things than not going home at night and like what happened in Cleveland where these officers uh, kill a young person with a 12-year-old with a toy gun. I think that's one of them. And, and I also think that, the, that some of the, the Black Lives Matter people also go way overboard and, and with their accusations. And I, I really, on, on the videos I saw on the news and uh, that I saw some uh, leaders of the black community and some ministers and priests uh, or, or uh, uh, reverends that were telling people to calm down and, and whatnot. I, th- I think that's the type of leadership we really need, and I appreciate that part. But to attack police and to attack the mayor and to create violence, that's not the answer. Uh, that is not what Martin Luther King would have supported. And we need to come together. The leadership in the black community needs to come together with law enforcement community. And I'm willing to help with that and sit down with people and say, you know what? We need to revamp how we train cops. And we need to also uh, initiate some de-escalate tactics that officers aren't learning in the police academies uh, or in their ongoing training uh, in law enforcement. And I'll tell any cop out there. If, if you think you're justified in shooting somebody because they move abruptly in front of you, you're wrong, and you need to tell your supervisors that you want real training. Uh, and, and we need to get back to the basics in this country, and we need to uh, follow the Constitution and keep our oaths of office. And uh, this, is, this is my calling card. Uh, we, we have forgotten what made America great, and we continue to, to flounder in uh, – the, the training modules that uh, we present to our our police in this country i don't i don't believe that police are intentionally trying to kill people i think that they've miss, missed the boat when it comes to training and they've been improperly trained and we need to get back to the basics well it's interesting you mentioned the reaction from some of the black lives matter folk and whether it's black lives matter people or just agitators out there right fighting back on one hand, is understandable, but at the same time, it just reinforces the them versus us perception that a lot of police have, and they're going to kill me if I don't kill them first. Well, and, and you hit on a very solid topic, and that, that is I believe that the police have been trained not 
uh, against a certain race, but against all of the public, that it's a them versus me mentality. And that's another problem with training. And you're right, it does exist. It existed when I was a cop, and I haven't been in law enforcement since 1996. Uh, January 1st of 1997 was my last day. But I've done training uh, with officers across the country, and I actually train uh, in the Constitution and the foundations of freedom that we uh, were supposed to have in this country. And that's one thing that cops aren't trained on either. They're, how can you love the people you work for when you don't love your country? When you don't love what made America great, and and we're not, we don't train in that, and and uh, we don't train in uh, uh, actually there is a sergeant out in Los Angeles who started uh, a program of reaching out to the uh, uh, poverty-stricken communities and the projects and starting to get to know people and let people get no, to know police and and to break this barrier and this uh, norm that we have and this paradigm that we have in, in America that it's them against us. And the, the people mistrust cops and the, the cops mistrust the public. And we've got to breach that gap. And it's a huge gap. And we've got to breach it. And uh, I can't remember the name of the sergeant. I know I, I saw it because we were uh, preaching the same types of things. But uh, Los Angeles police actually had a sergeant take the leadership in that role. And we need to do more of that. We need to do it in Philadelphia, where you live, and we need to do it in New York and Chicago. And and it's you know Chicago is just a, a, a damn uh, war zone almost, and nobody's really addressing it. And Rahm Emanuel is not addressing what's really causing that problem. He keeps saying it's guns. Guns are not the problem, and and it's people, and it's mentality, and it's training, and it's this mentality, as you alluded to. Uh, them against us, and that is trained, and it's inculcated and and almost brainwashed into the minds of cops across this country, and uh, we we need to uh, settle that. and And I'm not saying it's just the black community because it's not. When I say Black Lives Matter, I think they're they're kind of at the front of some of this, but it's everybody. And you can see when the Black Lives are marching, there's plenty of white people there and and i don't want this to be a black white issue because i don't believe it is and uh but it's an american issue and we've got to come uh to grips with this and i, I people need to understand protests are absolutely vital and important but violence needs to stop and it needs to stop now and you're listening to conversation here on 94 wip my name's peter solomon i'm talking with richard ivan ack richard ack Former no, sheriff, Mac, 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 I'm sorry, Mac. Richard Mack, former sheriff of Graham County, Arizona. He's got a lot to say about police, violence, and guns, and a whole lot more. All right, Richard. I'm sorry? What's really changed the game for a lot of police, too, are the body cameras. What do you think about them? Uh, I think that shows that we don't trust cops. Uh, I think it shows that administration doesn't trust cops, that we, we kind of, you know, we want that... Uh, on there. Uh, I was concerned when I first saw the technology uh, providing that. But what are we having now, Peter? We're having now that cops turn them off at certain times. And and so, oh, and the cop didn't have his dash cam on. Oh, and the cop didn't have his body cam on. And so, you know, that's going to continue to happen, and it's going to make us distrust all the more. What does that tell the community when a cop has a body cam on? We don't trust you. 
and we don't trust the cop. And so it's just a big thing of, uh, of not trusting. And and we need to get back to where we do trust that uh, and bridge that gap. I, I, I don't think it's provided much uh, good for, for us, and I think it uh, foments the mentality that uh, we don't trust anybody. But doesn't it also provide safety for the policeman in that if he's not doing anything wrong, the body cam will prove it? Yeah, but has that happened? I mean, when we see the body, when we see the dash cams, we've had dash cams for a long time, and we, when we see that, it, it doesn't tell the whole story, and it doesn't give the surroundings, and uh, sometimes it doesn't even pick up the where the cop was. You know, when he moves away from the vehicle where he was making making a traffic stop. Um, I'm not totally against them, and, and but I still haven't seen where a body cam has really proved the cop was correct, uh, and. I, or that he that he proved a suspect guilty. I think they still uh, are infallible, and I think they've been uh, misused at times. Like I said, when they when the cop can turn them off at will, and uh, you know when you ask well, why did you have it off? Oh well, I just forgot, you know, or I I, I had it off when I did this event, uh, this incident, and then I forgot to turn it back on. You know, there's always going to be that, and and uh, there's always going to be a, a, a lack of footage that shows exactly what the cop went through at the time. And, you know, right now, the reason that people, uh, some of the officers have been found guilty uh, is because, like the one in, uh, I think it was, was it North Carolina, where he shot the uh, fleeing suspect in the back, and uh, the officer said he acted in self-defense. Uh, I don't. I don't believe uh, Stockley uh, really acted in self-defense, and, and I know this other guy didn't. But it was because this, the community has had their cameras on, and the officers in this country are absolutely stupid because they don't believe that somebody somewhere is going to have a camera on. Everybody in this country has a camera on their phone, and uh, that's the reason that most of this has been uh, when some when an officer has actually been found guilty. Uh, it's because somebody else videoed it, and not because he had a dash cam or a body cam. All right. Um, Which is kind of sad. Absolutely. Absolutely. But law enforcement officers are faced with life-and-death situations and split seconds to make those decisions and determinations. That's right. Is it fair to second-guess them? Uh, Yes, and we always will. And, and and I'm second-guessing uh, the leadership, and I'm second-guessing the training. And that doesn't take seconds. That takes years. And uh, our police academies are three months to six months long. Ongoing training lasts forever for the entire career. Um, and most shootings, whether they're justified or not, in the career of the officer. And uh, that's the case in Stockley's case, and, and uh, it's, that's another situation. I've, I think it's really sad. Even if it's justified, even if it really wasn't, and everybody in the community agrees, yes, he was being attacked. And, you know, but uh, the situation, I, and I admit, I don't know all the situation in court or, or what happened in court with Stockley, um, but it, it just, to me, uh, it, it was a little bit... Uh, too soon. Uh, the the family saying that uh, the officer planted the gun, um, you know, that just, that, you know, that looks like movies way too much for the officer to keep a gun around that he would throw down just in case he's going to shoot somebody. 
is highly unlikely and that no one would know about it. But, you see, there was somebody with Stockley. Uh, why didn't he shoot? And, and so you have to question it. The other officer obviously did. He did not shoot at Anthony Lamar Smith. And, and so, to me, that proves what I'm saying is correct. Uh, I actually have uh, helped uh, lawyers in the past with shootings. There was one in Utah specifically where it was kind of similar. The guy was the guy was threatening suicide. He wasn't threatening the officers. Uh, and they said he had a knife. A knife is, if you're 50 feet, 25 feet away from a suspect, a knife is not an immediate threat. And yet most officers will view it as such. One officer in this particular situation that I'm referring to uh, pulled his gun and fired at the suspect, where the other one uh, had his gun out, but he did not fire. And and so that's the same thing with the Stockley case. And that is it's huge, and that should have been huge. And the threat that uh, Stockley had said he was going to, you know, kill this MF, you know, and the the judge kind of poo-pooed that. And uh, I think that was uh, uh, a very incriminating statement, and uh, that that Stockley was not charged with anything because of that statement kind of surprises me. So intentional murder is another thing. I don't believe uh, one for one minute that the officers in New York uh, were trying to kill Gardner. On the, but you have to remember, most of these situations are so ridiculous. I mean, Gardner was selling illegal cigarettes, and then he ends up dead. You know, and our officers, there's just too many times where our officers overreact and are not trained to de-escalate a situation. And, uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of these are just unnecessary. And sometimes, every now and again, they're actually uh, criminal. Uh, I don't believe uh, Stockley's situation was an intentional murder and that he uh, threw down a, a weapon to show that it was... Uh, Anthony's uh, and that he was justified uh, you know I think we need to calm down on that and uh, we, we need to stop the inflammatory rhetoric uh, at our protests and we need to understand that uh, most of these shooting situations are are damaging to both families and, and I really lament uh, the shootings that go uh, that are happening in our country and how this is destroying families and and destroying trust and, again, the law enforcement community needs to address that. And they're just not doing it, Peter. Well, they're not doing it. When I've been told by career policemen, if you draw your gun, you better be prepared to kill somebody. But at the same time, from the outside looking in, you can shoot to stop. You can shoot to maim. You don't have to shoot to kill. Yeah, and there's no training in that either. Uh, in fact, it's just the opposite. You don't, you're not trained ever to wound somebody. And, uh, you know, I... You know, I question that a little bit, but, uh, you know, most officers already have non-lethal force on their duty belt, on their SAM round. And so, uh, you know, we have ways of already doing that. Uh, and that's what, uh, you know, Stockley should have utilized. Uh, and uh, so I, I don't get, you know, why we train them to uh, tase someone or, or maze somebody and then you immediately jump to a gun situation but uh i i i honestly believe you know and i i i don't know stockley i don't know his heart but i honestly believe that uh anthony smith should not have been shot 
you can you can use this uh you know oh he was reaching for a gun thing well okay he was reaching for a gun uh did he get the gun i mean there still you know i'm i'm going to say this if there's not an immediate threat and all you have is that he moved abruptly towards something you know why didn't why didn't uh and i don't remember his name but i i you know i know his name was mentioned i you know i didn't memorize all that but uh stockley's partner uh never shot and and he had just as much a right if there was a legitimate reason to be shooting at all he had just as much a right to do it as stockley did but he didn't do it and, and it, uh, it, there should have been judicial notice of that too and i'd like to say thank you to richard mack former sheriff of graham county arizona and a clear thinker about the use of deadly force in law enforcement. Well, Thank and you. again, if anybody would like to contact me, just go to CSPOA, Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. We offer the training, and we offer memberships. We'd love to work with the communities all across this country, CSPOA.org. Uh, and uh, my email is SheriffMack at Hotmail.com, SheriffMack at Hotmail. Thank you, Sheriff Mack. Thank you, sir. It's been my pleasure, and it's been another edition of Conversation here on 94 WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. Stay tuned for WIP Sunday. If you can't, nothing left to say, but see you soon.